This is the Evergreen Empire. Green grow the forests and fair glow the streams. The gentle deer grazes, the wild blossom gleams. From ocean wave raging to mountain serene. All nature's proclaiming our lands evergreen. Welcome to Columbia Conversations. I'm Felix Bunnell, editor of Columbia Magazine for the Washington State Historical Society. On this episode, we speak with Bob Antone, a musician and musical historian in the Snoqualmie Valley, whose band, Tinkham Road, is committed to preserving and sharing audible history. As Seattle is being systematically, you know, these historical places are being torn down, we feel a passion to keep this material alive. This cultural material will not die. We will keep it going. There's a little cabin in the Cascade Mountains That is where I long to be Where the tall trees they frown And the streams come tumbling down And the trout leap so lustily That's Bob Antone's band, Tinkham Road, and their rendition of Little Log Cabin in the Cascade Mountains. We'll hear a bit more later on. I spoke with Bob Antone by phone in March 2022. I am a music teacher, first and foremost, but for the last 30-plus years, I've had uh, an obsession with collecting rare Northwest historical music and performing it out in the public. Uh, So we have a band called Tinkham Road, just like the exit off of Interstate 90, and it's a collective of musicians. We have about 32 rotating members, and in that collective, we actually perform very rare and obscure songs uh, that have some kind of historical connection to the Pacific Northwest and Seattle area. And what's the what's the earliest known, like in terms of the date it was composed or published, or what's the earliest known piece of Northwest music like that that you guys are in your repertoire? Well, uh, without getting myself into much trouble, um, I have studied and spent a lot of time with the local Salish tribes. And so some of those songs, um, which we do not perform in public, to be very specific, Mm -hmm. go back thousands of years. Mm -hmm. But if you're speaking of non-native music, um, there are a few uh, ballads in the 1700s that were collected about ships arriving uh, on the West Coast, the Northwest, and interactions with native people. Um, And those uh, songs can be found in the Phil Thomas collection out of uh, B.C., Canada. Phil Thomas was a song collector in British Columbia. And there are extensive um, libraries of songs. And some of the earliest songs that he collected uh, were from the 1700s. So So these would have been songs that were composed by what? Members of like Captain Cook's crew when they were up at uh, Nootka Sound kind of thing? Or what are we? Yep. I can give you uh, some specific titles. Um, So if you're interested, Songs of the Pacific Northwest by Phil Thomas. Hmm. And one of the first songs that's in this book, it's pretty cool. Um, It's about an interaction with it's called the bold northwestman the bold northwestman Hmm. and it's actually uh this whole interaction uh this war that they had it it happened um 
in the late 1700s. And I can just read you a little bit of the lyrics. This is the main chorus. Come all ye bold Northwestmen who plow the raging main. Come listen to my story while I relate the same. Twas on the Lady Washington, decoyed as she lay, at Queen Charlotte's Island, northwest of America. So the Haida tribe is located there at Queen Charlotte Island. Very, very famous, well-known First Nations uh, culture, the Haida. So, yeah, there you go. That's one of the earliest ones that I know of. That's non-native huh, of the crazy. Pacific Northwest. Because I think about early music, and I think like the one that I know comes to mind is the, is the old settler, the one that Ivor adapted for his theme song. Yeah, absolutely. And that that melody was adapted in 1876, so it was about a hundred years later. And uh, that was an Irish melody um, that was adapted by a judge in Seattle, and that became kind of a theme song. And then Ivor Hagelin, of course, borrowed that for his restaurant chain ivers we love ivor Haglin. we we do some of his other music like i'm a starving stump rancher that's another song that he used to perform um, we do songs by stan borison as you know from ballard uh yeah. the comedian and the accordion player what are some what are some of stan's songs that you do well we do the zero dacus yep uh theme song from his tv show mm-hmm. and we we've uh, adapted it, and we've added hobo camp poetry from my grandfather, who used to hop trains, uh, and he lived in logging camps and hobo camps. We added some poetry, and we mixed it together with the Stan Borison theme song. Sweet Ingeborg is another one. Oh yeah, um, yeah. it's a great song. Yep, uh, love that stuff. So as Seattle, as you know, as you know, you report on it is being systematically, you know, these historical places are being torn down. We feel a passion to keep this material alive. This cultural material will not die. We will keep it going. And I feel so passionate about it that um, every other day I've been posting a new song that is public domain. It's available for anyone to learn. I'm on like four different formats, and this is for teachers, for educators, um, anybody in the school system or a private instructor to use uh, with their students or for like an event. Say a school wants to put on a an event inspiring civic, you know, pride. So that's what we're doing. We're going to keep it alive and just posting those songs, um, and it's just been so much fun. So. Tinkham Road, which is named after Abiel Tinkham, a member of the survey party, right? Um, mm-hmm. So how long has that, you said that's been 30 years you guys been doing this? Or how many years? Or- uh, we, we've had Tinkham Road for eight years as a, as a band. And then as a research and just playing music as a person, as an individual, uh, I've been doing this research with Northwest Songs for about 30 years. Yep. And I imagine, I mean, I know with the, the age of recorded music, I mean, it's really, it's, it, I guess, guess it's like late 1890s in some cases, but in terms of commercially available discs, it's more like 1920, 1915, something like that. Are there, mm-hmm. are, but you guys are doing stuff that's, there, I imagine there's things you're doing where you found the sheet music, right? Correct. Yes. And that brings me to a great point. So, uh, Winifred Inox in 1945, she went to Juilliard School of Music. Um, she was a native of Tumwater, Washington. And her book, Folk Songs of the Puget Sound, uh, can be found in the Washington State Archives. 
And she has quite a collection uh, of songs from this area and mostly, you know, immigrant, emigrant songs, lots of organ trail and things that were sung in her own family. So we have copies of that sheet music from 1945. And sometimes we don't have a recording. So we will create with the best of our ability a modern version using the exact melody, using the exact lyrics. Maybe we'll rearrange or tweak it a little bit, make it fresh, make it new. But that way, layers of history, you can experience, you know, layers of history and kind of all at the same time while adhering to the original melody, the original lyrics, content, and then it's accessible to new audiences. So. Yeah, there's a couple of pieces, a couple of uh, musicals that were put on that I we when I was at Mohai, we ended up doing um, like backers audition style um, performances of so we could make recordings of them. One was the um, 1907 uh, light, the comic opera, The Alaskan by Joseph Blethyn and Blethyn and Gerard. I don't know if you've run across that. Um, it was, it was a, yes. it was a premiere thing. They, they opened the, when the Moore Theater debuted, it was a premiere performance and it was sort of a, you know, gold rush musical kind of thing. And it's really, it's like Gilbert and Sullivan. It's really well done. Um, and then there was a show in, I think it was 1945 or 1946 called Calico Cargo by, um, yes, I've heard that. Helen, I've heard that. Blank, I'm, I met the composer, Helen Taverniti, I think was the woman who wrote that. Anyway, so we were able to, we had some, um, Arnie Zaslov used to run the Bathhouse Theater. He was the guy who we hired to produce those, and we did live radio broadcasts of at least of the Alaskan. I don't think I don't think we did that with Calico Cargo, but we made recordings of like I I think we did the entire each the song like all the songs from the shows because there were the sheet music was available at um, UW Collection in both those cases. I I love that kind of stuff, particularly where there's where there is no contemporary recording of something. The idea of doing a modern version of it or a not a modern version, but a uh, a recreation of, or as close to what the contemporary, close to what the original version would have sounded like. That's that's really valuable. Uh, Harold Weeks is another person. If you don't mind, I, I bet you know who that person is. Have you heard of Harold Weeks? It's it only it sounds vaguely familiar, but I honestly can't say. I'm not sure. Okay, so Harold Weeks was a songwriter uh, out of Seattle, but he had a connection to the Snoqualmie Valley, and he wrote uh, the hit. Hindustan, which was the first international hit out of Seattle. Hmm. And he also married the founder of North Bend's daughter. So for a short time, he worked as a telegraph operator and supervisor in the lower Snoqualmie Valley at the Duval and Carnation train depots. Hmm. And then he got married in front of the North Bend train depot in about 1916, 1917. And he went on a special honeymoon, and he wrote a series of songs. One of them was uh, called Little Cabin in the Cascade Mountains. Hmm. That's one that we perform all the time. And uh, Harold Weeks, got to give a shout-out to him. Okay. He's a major player in the local Tin Pan Alley, Seattle Tin Pan Alley scene, which is pretty amazing. Where Ben Arroyo Hall is, there used to be a publishing company there, and Harold Weeks was definitely connected to that. And Huh. It was considered Seattle's Tin Pan Alley uh, scene right there. But have you played out in public in the last couple of years, or have you guys been dormant like most other musicians and performers? Well, I'm very proud to say, and I'm glad that you asked that question, very proud to say that Tinkham Road has been going uh, for eight years, and through the pandemic, um, all of our original members are still in the group. 
and we performed. We found a way to perform. We did some virtual performing, but um, mm-hmm. yes, we've been very steady. There is uh, a great support for music in the winery circuit, uh, Woodenville wineries, um, you know, Woodhouse Wine Estates, Janet Hill, and you know, in Snoqualmie, you have Sigillo Cellars. A lot of the wineries are very supportive of the arts, and they go hand-in-hand hand with music. So Sigillo Cellars, especially, right on Railroad Avenue, they've been a constant uh, support of our band. We're kind of a regular house band there. Once a month, we perform. Okay. So you can catch us every fourth Saturday. Are there solo versions of all these songs that we're talking about? Yeah, so I play I play the violin and, you know, borderline fiddle, and I also play guitar. Okay. I play musical saw, like my uh, grandfather. Sure. And uh, so in our family, we had a, a family violin from 1893 Neat. from old Seattle. Neat. Uh, and I played that uh, violin for 28 years, and I passed it down to my son, who also plays. And when he graduated high school, we passed it down as a graduation gift. He nice. got his great great-grandfather's violin from old Seattle, 1893. So there's nice. a tradition in our family. Very yes. Cool. All right. Continuing on our musical tour, our musical journey, <laughs> what, what would you, what would be number, okay, what would be next? Well, you got to remember that the logging industry, you know, you had the logging camps and you had music, the shanty boy traditions. So you had folks that were entertaining in logging camps and obviously timber was king. So you had these French-Canadian and Irish singers who would come along with the migration from the Great Lakes and back east to the Pacific Northwest. And they brought with them ballads and uh, these songs. And so um, there is a book that was published in 1932 out of Seattle, KJR Radio. And it's basically a yodeling lumberjack song, a, a book of lumberjack songs. And a lot of them mentioned Seattle and there is a tradition and basically when the phonograph came out and became more common in the twenties. So you had more popular music from elsewhere starting to influence the songs of the shanty, the shanty boy tradition. It started to be infiltrated with early jazz and that kind of thing. So um, we have a song called Copenhagen snuff or snooze that comes from the very last part of the shanty boy tradition, and it's considered a Pacific Northwest logging camp ballad. It was collected by Winifred I. Knox, and we perform Copenhagen, Snuff or Snooze, and the Daring High Rigger. Those are two that we do in a medley. Those are That's from, I want to say, the late 1800s, early 1900s. But still in use, though, in into the 30s and 40s, I imagine people still singing it, like in logging camps. Yes, they were they yeah. were still known, obviously, okay. till 1945. Yeah, uh, when she collected this information. Got it. But okay. what was explained to me by Hank Nelson and some of the other historians regarding logging music of the Pacific Northwest is that when the chainsaw started to become regular um, in regular use, you didn't have the time or the sound or the silence to, you know, transfer these songs because you had so much more noise. The production was sped up. You had all this noise and speed in the woods. So the ballads were becoming less and less common. And as people like Bob Wills and you had Texas Swing, you had Western Swing becoming more and more popular, people were less and less interested in the old ballads and they were more interested in, hey, what's popular now? What can I get a record of? Yeah, makes sense. And Western Swing... 
that's probably the next stage of music in this area. A lot of Western swing uh, was popular at the dances around here. So does that make sense about the chainsaw? And, I oh, mean, yeah, perfect. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it would, yeah. it would, it would, it would, because it's almost like a, um, before the chainsaw, it's almost like a field hauler or a thing where you're using the, using the song to get the rhythm of the guys chopping on the same tree and kind of, you know, that's, it's like, it's part of the work, doing the work is, is assisted by having rhythmic singing or singing that somehow kind of passes the time or fills the silence. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. There was also a guy named Les Labrie and he had a wooden leg. And so a local legend, uh, Mr. Harley Brumbaugh, who was a trumpet leader, uh, he went to dances as a child in the Snoqualmie Valley and he would go to Les Labrie events and Les Labrie played the drums in such a manner because of his wooden leg and he had a very specific rhythm. And so he wrote a poem, one that we like to perform, uh, Les Labrie, the one-legged drummer and his orchestra. And that is a beautiful slice of our local history here and the musical history of the Snoqualmie Valley. Very nice. I mean, by this time, the sons are getting up into the 40s and the 50s, maybe? Well, you have, <laughs> you know, you have a very uh, interesting development in the Seattle area with, you know, our rock scene. You have in the 60s, you know, you have the beginning of the seeds of what they call grunge. You know, there was a handful of bands that were kind of psychedelic surf rock. Um, you know, you had the Frantics. The Frantics are amazing. You've heard the Werewolf song by the Frantics. Does that ring a bell? I, I know. I've heard the Frantics. I don't know the Werewolf song, though. Yeah, and they were they were known here. They were based in, you know, Tacoma, Seattle. And then eventually, obviously, we had more famous acts like, you know, Nirvana and Soundgarden. But there are roots of that music in the Seattle area. And it's psychedelic, surf guitar, you know, kind of like uh, the Adams Family or the Munsters, you know, kind of that dark, yeah. twangy surf guitar, psychedelic. Huh. And so obviously we bring it up to Twin Peaks as well. That to me encapsulates a lot of the modern uh, feeling of this area because you have the mystique, you have, you know, supernatural beings, you have Bigfoot, you have UFOs, you have paranormal, strange, you know, it's all about the strange dark woods, strange and wonderful. So a lot of the music that we play when we readapt it, we uh, focus our lens through that strange dark world so we have songs like red door red door come on through which is a reference to season three of twin peaks <laughs> we have all we are is coffee and donuts to you that's another song we perform <laughs> and that's about tweeds cafe on the corner of north bendway and bendigo and still in business right they're they are. Yes, yeah. Tweeds is. It's definitely an international landmark. Do you guys have any competition or is this kind of your own genre? Oh, my God. I don't think we really do have any competition. Uh, and not that I know of. <laughs> not, I really don't. I don't know. Do you know of anybody? No, I know. I haven't. Not, not, I haven't. I haven't paid super close attention, but I think I I might have heard by now. But no, this sounds like you've you've sort of identified a niche and exploited it. And in, in the good, in the good meaning of the word exploit, I don't mean that in the, the exploitive meaning of the word. Um, it's seems like, it seems like a great thing. And it's the idea of keeping these melodies alive that otherwise would just be on sheet music or in some archive somewhere. I think that's, that's, that's laudable. That's admirable. That's, that's good to do that. Cause it's the more people that hear this stuff, the more it influences the current and the next generation. And that's, that's, what's cool about art. You know, you don't want art to just sit hidden away and, and not seen or heard. You want it to be 
you know, like a muscle. It's like muscle memory. You want it to be out there being flexed. So I think it's good. It's a cool thing. Well, yeah. And one thing I wanted to say too, is I wanted to dedicate today's uh, interview to my dad. He, he passed away this morning. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's terrible. No, it, it was a long, it was a long oh. process. So we knew it was coming, but today I thought I'd dedicate it to him and Oh, he was always so a great support. Yeah. Oh man, that's uh, how, how old was your dad? He was 81, and he was born in the uh, ghost town, now ghost town of Snoqualmie Falls, in 1940. Oh wow! So he was born at the Snoqualmie Falls Hospital. Wow. Yep. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I lost my dad about 26 years ago when I was 28, and uh, not a day goes by I don't think about him and feel his influence. So it's, I mean, it's. It gets easier, of course, but boy, that's that's a big that's a big loss. And I'm really I, I I feel for you. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Oh, that little cabin in the Cascade Mountains, it's a paradise to me. Oh, that little cabin in the Cascade Mountains. It's a paradise For more music from Bob Antone's band, Tinkham Road, he's posted many songs on Facebook, YouTube, and other platforms. Thank you to Bob Antone for speaking with me and for dedicating this episode of Columbia Conversations from the Washington State Historical Society to his late father. Columbia is the quarterly magazine of Northwest history, reaching thousands of readers around the old Oregon country. To propose an article, to subscribe, or to give a gift subscription, please visit WashingtonHistory.org. I'm Felix Bunnell.